It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. It's great to be here again and I must admit... Um, I'm excited about today. I'm nervous about today. And this, what are you doing, Mark? And 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 yet, to tell you the truth, the message is not going to be the key today. It's going to be what happens after it. And that's the worship time, which I'm really excited about. So here's a question for you. How's your battle going? Because you've been having heaps of teaching, right? On... How to fight your battle. So the question is, how you doing? How you doing the battles? I mean, you, I've listened to some of your messages, right? And uh, you are more equipped for battle than the whole Russian army at the moment. <laughs> I mean, you've got all the tools. So next time there's a pandemic and everybody's fighting for the dunny paper in the, in the aisles, you just got to bring out some of these battle plans. Get your Bible out, start praying, say thank you to everybody. You've got it all. But there's something I want to share with you today that I think puts it all together that actually is really a reflection of everything you've heard anyway. Because here is the truth. Let me read this to you. This comes from a famous um, psychiatrist by the name of Carl Jung. He was a Swiss psychiatrist back in the day, and he came up with, or the founder of analytical psychology. And this is what he said, just to encourage you, nothing else, just to encourage you, life is a battleground. Some of you probably found out on the way here, right? <laughs> Life is a battleground. It always has been and always will be. And if, there, and if it were not so, existence would come to an end. That's encouraging. Oh, amen. Finished. But you'd probably say, actually, that's probably true. You, some of you may have had a battle getting out of bed this morning. I didn't. Um, it's my birthday today. So I got up really easy. But although I did think to myself, these are clocking up a few extra years, so it is getting a little bit harder. But you might have struggled even on the way here with someone cutting you off or, you know, discussing with the partner in the car about who was running late. There was probably a battle even coming here today. But here's the truth. The battle, greatest battle you have is not the external battle, it's the internal battle. Did you get that? Your battle isn't always external, it's actually internal. Now, a person who will help us understand that most of all is the guy by the name of James. James was Jesus' little brother. And I reckon he would understand this quite well. Don't know what you could think, but growing up with a sibling... An older brother who is the son of God? That ain't fair, right? You're sitting around the table, mum brings out everybody their lunch, right? Hey, there goes your bun and you say, thank you, God. And then he says, thank you, God. And suddenly his whole place full. Now, that's not fair. 
you know, or mum pours you a glass of water and he ends up with wine. It's, it's just, I reckon, that's probably didn't happen, but I reckon still, and you can get it from reading the Gospels, that James, brother to Jesus, struggled a little bit, I think, with the fame, with the attention, with some of the things that were happening. And yet he writes this in James 4. He says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Or he puts it this way in the Passion Version. It says, What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? As you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires. See, here's the issue with internal battles, right? And internal battles aren't always with other people, but they're generally about what's happening inside of me. And the problem with internal battles is they have an incredible impact on relationships. I see it all the time in the work that I do, and probably some of you, if you work with people, you know that most of the battles people have is because there's stuff happening on the inside. Some things like shame, some things like um, 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 problems and things that you've done in the past that are still in there. And there's a battle going on inside you, and it impacts relationships. That's why you get grumpy with one another because there's a battle going on inside. I have the rights for this. I've got it all together. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to do. And the battle is happening from the inside, but it impacts relationships. It impacts your performance. Internal fights impact. You know when someone's grumpy, right? If someone's grumpy, someone's not having a good day and they turn up at work, keep away, leave them to themselves because they impact your performance. You don't even want to be there. Your brain is too caught up on other things. It also impacts mental health. You know, our mental health issue in society today, I see it firsthand, is on the increase. The amount of people taking medication for, for, for mental health at the moment, which we need. But let me tell you, it's on the increase. And part of it is because there's an internal battle going on on the inside and we haven't actually learned to deal with it. And that's why prayer and Bible reading and all the other things that you've been taught are so important right now in society because we're not just fighting an external battle, we're fighting an internal battle. And that's why spirituality, even Young, who wasn't a Christian, actually made the point. He said, many, many issues I cannot solve, they're spiritual. And there's something about the battle that's a spiritual thing, not just a physical thing. And that's why this series is so important. It's so significant at this time. Because we battle truth and lie. Each one of you, there's a lie going on in your head, but there's also a truth. That's why we go to the Scripture, because the Scripture helps us see the truth. Because Jesus said, the truth will set you free. There's a battle between light and dark. You know, there's things that are in the dark. 
and they're controlling who I am. But when the light comes in and takes over, the dark disappears. And there's a battle going on between light and dark and it's all internal. And that's why James goes on to say in James 4.2, he says, you want what you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it. That's not always outside. That's inside. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want. Why? Because you don't ask God for it. Listen to what he's saying there. He's saying there's a battle going on, right? And the battle's inside and you want something. I want to be as good as Mark. And so I'll put Mark down because there's a battle going on inside me because I want to be a greater communicator as Mark. And instead of trying to, to learn off him, I want to fight him because I haven't got what I want. So what's the best thing to do? Chop him off at the knees and say how bad he is, right? Don't we do that all the time? We do that all the time in society. And yet the battle actually isn't external. The battle is internal. And this is the key. This is the key to any battle. It's moving your focus. Move your focus. You see, we move our focus from the problem. If the problem or the issue or my low self-worth becomes my focus, I'm constantly trying to be something I'm not, let me tell you, it will drag every bit of energy out of me and it will be the thing I'm fighting constantly. When the problem becomes my focus, when the issue becomes my focus, it takes life out of me. But when I turn the problem into a possibility all of a sudden there's a different view. You see, what James is saying here is change your focus. Move your focus from the battle and move it to the victory. Move your focus away from this consuming because when you're in a battle, when there's things going on, it consumes every part of you. It consumes your sleep. It consumes your dreams. It consumes your relationships. It consumes you and it takes over. And he says, move your vision and look to God instead. You don't have it. Why? Because you're not asking the person who can give it to you. You want peace in your life? Don't try and get it yourself. Look to the person who is peace. You want joy in your life? Don't try and make it happen. Look to the one who is your joy. It's changing your focus. And you see that in the Bible, in the Scripture, all the time. All the time, right from the beginning all the way to the end. It's all about this idea of who is your focus? Who are you looking towards? Who are you asking for? All the way through. Let me give you some, some suggestions. Elisha and the servant. Elisha is a great prophet and he's there at home and there's a battle going on. And what does he do? He sends the servant out and the servant gets up in the morning, walks outside, says, oh, there's a whole army and it's so big and it's coming for us, Elisha, and we're dead. And he goes inside and he says, what do we do, Lord? And Elisha says, God, open his eyes. Don't give him a sword. Don't give him an army. Just open his eyes. He goes back outside and what does he do? He sees a whole army of God up on the hill. 
Sometimes we've got to change our focus and we've got to look differently. Jesus, when he was sitting on a mountain, he says, you know what? You worry about this and you worry about what you're going to eat and you worry about what you're going to do here. But he says, look at the birds. Look at, just change your focus. Look at the flowers, how I look after them. And he says this, seek or look towards, seek first what? The kingdom of God. The key to breaking the internal battle is to change our focus and to look somewhere else to put our attention onto something else. The walls of Jericho, they're all up there. And Jesus says, God says, this is how I want you to fight this battle. You've heard this one, you know, Joshua bit bit the battle of Jericho. And it gets the, uh, the people and they walk around seven times. And what did they do? They worshipped God. They shouted out to God. And the walls came a tumbling down, so the story tells us. Why? Because they turned their attention from the problem, and they turned attention to a mighty, victorious God. It's called worship. The way to fight the battle is worship. That's our greatest tool, is worship. Because worship involves reading the Word, the the Scriptures. Worship includes prayer. Worship includes, includes what I give to others in generosity. Worship includes all those things. Why? Because it takes the attention off me and it puts the attention on Him. See, worship is not just a song, although I love worship. It's not a, a set of songs that we have on a Sunday morning. Worship isn't the performance up here. Worship is is not even the the jumping around and the dancing, which I can't do because I'm so uncoordinated. That's not necessarily the worship. The worship isn't the event. The worship is the heart. And that's that beautiful song we sang probably about 10, 15 years ago. You know, Lord, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Because it's all about you. It's not about the song. It's not about, wow, that was such a great worship time today. We had an awesome worship at church today. And then I go back out into my problems. Well, that wasn't worship. That was just a good experience. See, worship has to shift me from there to there. Move my eyes up. Can I just read you this this note? uh, It actually, in a book someone gave me called... The prisoner, the soldier, and the priest. Guy who's out of alpha, which is really um, picking up at the moment. And this is what it says. If I can find it. Here we go. He says, a good friend of mine who works for a charity dealing with dysfunctional kids from inner city estates told me how on a train heading out to the country, one teenager, teenage girl in the group was staring out the window. This is a girl that was uh, homeless. She's come from a pretty background. And there she is, sitting by herself, staring out the window. Asked if she was okay, she turned to him and responded, I didn't know my eyes could see this far. Without hope and vision, our faces, our attitudes, our self-esteem starts to turn downwards when really they should be looking upwards. You see, 
when we focus on the battle and that consumes me, I'm just focusing on the fight. But if I can turn my eyes, I can see further. I can see possibilities. I can see a God that actually has everything in his hands. And I want to suggest to you today that, that worship can be one of the greatest tools. I, a few years ago, I was uh, doing it pretty hard, and um, I decided to go on a bit of a retreat. And I went away, and I was pretty tired and burnt out, and there was a lot of stuff going on. It was consuming my thinking, and I couldn't think straight. And I had to make a really tough decision, and I didn't know how to make this decision. And in the end, I went, that's it. Stuff it. I'm going down to God, and I'm going to go down to the beach, and I'm going to worship you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it with joy. And so I got my chair, and I got my, my black uh, hoodie, and I went down with my, my, my phone and my earplugs, and I sat down there on the beach down there at uh, Pelican Point Way, somewhere down there on the beach, no one else around, sat there, and there's a storm coming in. And I don't care that storm comes in. I don't care. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. And I don't care what that storm does. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening to my worship. And we've got black hoodie on because it's a bit cold. And I'm listening. My eyes are closed. And I start that song I love. It goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I was getting so caught up in this song. My eyes are closed. I've got my hoodie on. I've got my earplugs in so I can't hear anything. There's a storm coming and I'm shouting out real loud, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I open my eyes and there's this poor little lady walking across the beach with her doggy, very nervous about this guy in the hoodie. But let me tell you, when I took my focus off the issue and put my focus on a God, there becomes breakthrough. I don't know what your battle is. And maybe your battle might even be that I'm just feeling hungry and thirsty for God. Let me tell you, it's when we turn our focus off that and per turn our focus on him. He brings the breakthrough. It's called worship. I want to quickly take you to a story that, I, that is in the Old Testament. It's the story that you may have heard about before, and it's a guy called Elijah. He's a prophet man. And Elijah in 1 Kings 18. And what's happening right now there in the land is it's a great drought. It's been three years, this drought. And because the king Ahab at the time, who was, this was Israel, so this was God's country, right? But he decided to marry a, a woman that was actually a follower of other gods. And so they decided to turn their focus from Yahweh, God, the, that we worship of Israel, to Baal and other gods. And there was a massive drought in the land. All the prophets and the men of God are all hiding in caves because Ahab and Jezebel think they've got rid of them all. And everybody in the land are struggling. They're battling. They're battling for food. They're battling with water. They're thirsty. They're struggling. They're in a battle. And finally, God speaks to Elijah and he goes to address the situation. And he goes to the king and he goes to Ahab and he says, Listen, you guys have got to stop decide who you're going to worship. You've got to decide who you're going to worship. You're either going to have to worship Baal 
or you're going to worship Yahweh. Which one do you want? And let's have a let's have a cook off. Let's have a barbecue off. Let's work out who is the real God here. So we're going to take all the prophets up to Mount Carmel. It's a big hike. We're going to go up there and we're going to set up these altars. And what you'll do is you'll get all your 400 prophets of Baal and they can call on Baal and see if he can light the barbecue from his place. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the same and let's see which God turns up. So he does. So they go up on the mountain and they build this altar of Baal and they, they get a, a ball and they chop the ball up and they put the ball on the altar and they're dancing and they're singing and they're doing all the Baali things and they're trying to cool fire down from Baal. And guess what? Nothing happened. And Elijah got a bit cheeky and he said, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe the, maybe the queen died and you had an extra day off. I don't know. But, but yeah, it ain't happening. Nothing's happening. And they started cutting themselves up and beating themselves up because, you see, they weren't winning the battle. When you're losing the battle, what do you do? You beat yourself up. And he said, come on, guys, take a rest. Let me show you how it's done. Let the man have a go. So he builds this altar and he puts this altar together. And let's pick it up in, in verse 21. 1 Kings 18, 21. Then Elijah called the people. So Baal's had a go. Nothing's happening. There's still drought in the land. There's still a problem. And Elijah called the people. Come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. The first place, the first thing that we need to recognise is that God is calling people to him. God is calling us to worship him. God is calling us, he's saying, stop looking at the battle. Come and look at me. He calls us. There's a call to worship. There was a call to Adam and Eve in the garden. There was a call to Abraham. There was a phone call to, to Moses. There was a call. It's called a burning bush. There was a call to you and I. And Jesus even said to us, come to me, what? All you who are weary and in a battle. That's my extra words. And I will give you Rest, because I'll fight the battle for you. This is how we fight our battle. We turn our focus in worship away from the issues, away from the battle, away from our disappointments, away, and we look to someone who says, I'll fix it. You know, I sense, as I was praying about this this morning, and I wasn't too happy with my message the other day, and I was fighting a battle, because I didn't really give it my best. And and I came away and it was like God saying, Steve, we need to rebuild our altars. Because our altars have got a bit tired. Our altars have got a bit distracted. Our altars have turned into something they were never supposed to be. Our altars have become religion. Our altars have become the do's and the don'ts. Our altars have become about the, I've got to get to church this morning. No, no, no. Our altar is him. I want to come here on a Sunday morning. Why? 
Because it's a habit? No. Because it's religious? No. Because I've got to rebuild my altar because during the week it all fell apart. During the week some of those rocks on my altar fell off. During the week I got distracted and I need to come back and rebuild my altar. And my challenge this morning, and, I, and whether it's prophetic or what, I want to suggest that maybe some of us, our altars, have either got tired or somebody's ripped some rocks off them. Some of them knocked our, our altars over. We got distracted with things. And this is the time where you're going to say, God, I'm coming back up on that mountain and I want to rebuild my altar. I want to put you back number one in my life. I want you. Yes, I've been doing all the good religious stuff. I read my Bible every day. I I do all that sort of stuff. I give lots of money to the church. Um, But I've lost that real heart of worship. And I'm going through the actions. And I'm struggling inside. And God's saying, come back and rebuild your altar. There's a call to come back. And it's interesting that when he called them back, when he called them back, he called them back and he got, if you go into verse 31, he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons of water. This is what he did. He bought the, the rocks, the rocks representing each tribe. The altar is supposed to be together. The altar, rep- that's what the church is, isn't it? Here is the, here's the picture of the church. The church is where two or more are gathered in my name. And there I am in the midst of them. We need to gather together. Uh, we've got into this online stuff and I love it because I do it, use it all the time, but there's nothing better than coming together. Actually finding others who also make God their God and we worship together. There's something about being together that's significant and I love this because he calls them but he calls them as community. They're all gathered around. There's, there's a great strength in numbers when it comes to worship because we spur each other on to, good, to uh, love and good works when we come together and the key here is that he brought them together Then in verse 33, it says this. He says, He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, Fill the large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After Eli had done this, he said, Do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, no, 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 now do it a third time. So they did it as he said. And the water ran over the altar and even filled the trenches. At the usual time, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked over to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That was pretty impressive considering that Ahab was there and he's going, "Uh uh-uh, see, there's history in this thing. 
There's history in this thing. God of all those that came before you is the same God today. And I'm calling on him today. And he says, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all that at this at your command. Here's the key. The worship, the worship is a sacrifice. He brought the sacrifice. Look at what the sacrifice was. First of all, the sacrifice was the boar. Mate, it's a drought happening. We need every fat boar we can get right now. And it's been three years. And they're looking pretty darn skinny. And you're going to sacrifice that which, which actually we really need? Romans 1, it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is when I give my best to God. That's worship, isn't it? When I give my best to But notice it wasn't just his best because, you see, he then said, now go and get some water. It's a drought. We need the water. You're going to waste the water we need to drink? Go get some more. You're joking. And some more. Are you really joking? We're going to pour that which is valuable, water and this fatted bull, and we're going to put him on the altar. You see, when it comes to worship, Sometimes we've got to give out of our poverty. I sometimes, you know, in my, you're all busy. I'm busy. And I know God put on my heart, I want you to put time aside to come on the rock and pray. And I've been too busy. I'm sorry, God. And you go, that's the right time to come. When you're busy. When you haven't got much to give. He loved it. When all these people came and gave money one day, and he, Jesus loved it because he said, ah, oh, you know the one I like the most is that widow who's just given all that she's got. She's given out of her poverty. Worship isn't something we do because we've got time to do it. We do it because we haven't got time to do it. We actually give out of our poverty. We give out of what we don't have. Sacrifice. As a churches, we've forgotten that. But sometimes it costs to worship. Sometimes it costs to go to church on a Sunday. Sometimes it costs to put time aside to worship him. Sometimes it costs to actually take time out during the day just to get some, some attention so I turn my focus off the work and put my focus back on God. That will actually give me the energy to do the work anyway. And I want to encourage you that when, when Elijah was doing this, he was actually setting us up for today. Because he's going, you know, the, the altars have fallen down. Let's rebuild them. I'm calling you to worship. I'm calling you to take your attention off life right now and put your attention on me because the victory is yours. The victory is yours. O Lord, in verse 37, it says, O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And immediately, not in a couple of weeks, immediately, 
the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burnt up the bull, the wood and the stones and all the water. It all went. There's just a pile of ash there. That is some fire. That's not just a little little fire lighter. That was some fire. It burnt up the whole lot. You know, the fire of God isn't just there to go, well, I feel the fire of God in this place today. Let me tell you, fire burns things up. Fire burns up the rubbish. Fire burns up the stuff in my life that isn't good. Fire is purifying. That's the fire of God. And he's going, I need to fire some stuff up right now. When we come to worship, he burns up the stuff inside us. That isn't good. He reveals that and he says, let's get rid of that because I'm going to be God. I want to be the God of Steve Hall. I want to be the God of his life. I want to be the God of the things that he does. Not Steve, me, because I'm turning the focus off my problems. I'm turning the focus off my achievements. I'm turning the focus off I've got to be good to a focus on a God who already is good, who already says I've already got it all written out in the heavens anyway. He wants us to come to him and to put him back on the altar today. He's calling us because that's where the battle is won. 1 John 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. As we get the guys up, we're going to do this worship this morning. And here's my challenge to you as I challenge myself is, Has my altar to God changed a little bit? Has it got Steve's name all over it instead of God's name all over it? Is the altar of sacrifice there to build me up and to promote me? Or is it there to promote God and who he is? Is it time to rebuild some altars today as we come to the place of worship? Is that time where we say, God, I'm no longer going to be looking at this battle. I'm going to fight this battle. And this is how I'm going to fight the battle. This is how we're going to fight the battle. We're going to turn our prayers to you. We're going to turn our heart to you. We're going to turn our problems to you. We're going to actually come to you and make you God and Lord, even of the battles of life we're facing today. Because when we do that, This old song, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And what happens? The things of this world grow strangely dim because we're turning our focus onto him. Would you turn your focus today? Because he's calling you. He's calling me. Come. Come. Let's, Let's come together and let's build this altar. Let's rebuild the altar. Come on, let's, let's, let's put, yeah, we haven't got time today. Yes, you have. That's the best time to do it. Let's put the ball that's so valuable to us because that's really letting go. You cannot pick up something until you let something go. Our hands sometimes are too full. So we're going to put it down. And as we worship him, you know that dryness that maybe some of you have been feeling in your spirit, that dryness of faith, 
that, that lack of fire that you felt, you haven't had that real stir for a while, well, let me tell you, it's not going to be the worship that does it. It's going to be your heart that does it because as your heart turns to him and we say, let you be Lord, he chucks down fire from heaven. And you might find that he's burning up some attitudes and he's burning up some of the, the, the preconceived ideas you've got and he might be burning up your, your sense of, of achievement. He might burn up all of that so that he can be God. And then those rivers will flow. He promises that. That peace will flow. That joy will flow because I'm coming to you today, God, to give you my best out of what I haven't got and what I need right now, I need this, but I'm going to give you it. I'm going to give you it. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my heart. Let's stand. And we're going to go straight into that song. This is how we're going to fight our battles. I love this song because it's so easy to write. It's only got two sentences. Um, but it would have been an easy one to write. But it means so much. And it reminds me of the story of Jericho. You know, this is how I'm going to fight my battles. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.